Last time on The Cellcast, the animated series. There are four lights. Light forms. You precious little life forms. Oh gosh, that. You tiny little life forms. Where are you? Chief Miles O'Brien being the, the truly one of Starfleet's greatest officers. And so... Well, I, I mean, at one point, Rutherford says he's got 10 minutes to do a 30-minute diagnostic. Yeah. That's a little too... Cutting it a little too close. Yeah. Just, just a little bit. It's, uh... The first officer stabs her in the foot. <laughs> fighting Vendor the, uh, in the trial by combat. Yes. In which apparently Vendor likes books. Apparently. <laughs> Uh, him saying, I demand peaceful negotiations while he punches somebody in the punches Vendor in the gut. He says, oh, so ethical. <laughs> this has nothing to do with me. It's about, ru- about rules, about not, ma- not, not following oh, rules. Cartoons, the animated frontier. These are the voyages of the Cellcast podcast. Its continuing mission to explore strange new cartoons, to seek out new animation styles and new creative storytelling methods, to boldly go where so few ever go again. Another episode of the Cellcast, the animated series. Joining me today is a man who just needs to ascend, Jacob. Well, I keep trying; it doesn't really work. <laughs> Why? Thank you. Like to introduce our co-host, and you stole my thunder. <laughs> <laughs> I stole it. Why did he get promoted and I didn't? Welcome, Drew. <laughs> what? I didn't even catch that. You want me to redo it? <laughs> I just want you to tell me what you said. <laughs> okay. I'll keep what? the fast version. Why? That's funny. Why did? He, why did he get promoted and I didn't? Oh, okay. Gotcha. How are you doing, Jacob? Well, kind of like a movie we just recently watched, like totally tubular and just righteous man. Would you say bodacious? Yeah, definitely bodacious. All right. How are you? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, doing very righteous. Yeah, totally. <laughs> exactly. So uh, today we are reviewing uh, Star Trek Lower Deck Season 1, Episode 4, Moist Vessels. Uh, now, I, previously, I, re- I realized when I was first watching this episode a couple weeks ago, I've made a small error. Oh, I have really? not been uh, reporting on guest stars. Oh. And the reason I realized that is because, for the very first time, I get to say that there was a character in this movie that is our Kingdom Hearts reference. Thump, thump, thump against the microphone. <laughs> so, um, O'Connor? Yeah. The, uh, lieutenant that was wanting to ascend? Oh, okay. Was played by Haley Joel oh, Osmond, a.k.a. the biggest Kingdom Hearts reference I possibly can make. He is Sora, the main playable character in nine in seven. Hey, hang on, nine of the Kingdom Hearts games. 
I see dead people. That too. <laughs> okay. Also grew so, up around lions. If you go with another movie. Oh yeah, that's a really good movie. Mm-hmm. So uh, now that I've corrected that error, so this uh, so uh, Moist Vessels was written by Ann Kim and was directed by Barry J. Kelly. Uh, and then I hit the wrong button. <laughs> okay, so uh, getting into the uh, the Easter eggs and other continuity things in this. Right. The USS Merced is the second California-class ship we've met. Right. The first one, of course, being the... Uh... Cerritos. Cerritos. Sorry. I always want to call it the, Cer- the Cerrito. Yeah, but it's the Cerritos. Uh, they made up with the Merced, which you'll note, instead of having the yellow uh, striping on mm-hmm. coloring, accents on it that yeah. the Cerritos has, it has blue showing that it's actually a science vessel. Oh, okay. Whereas yellow means it's an ops vessel. Which is why in that first episode, they make all the jokes about how we've got ops covered. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Right. Uh, the ancient generation ship that they show in there is a reference to pretty much... Well, a generation ship in general is an old, super old science, science fiction trope. Mm. You can see it in such things such as a Robert A. Heinlein novel called Orphans in the Sky or a Doctor... There was actually a Doctor Who episode called The Ark in Space. Hmm. Kind of based on the same deal. The idea is, because it takes so long at sublight speeds to go between planets, if you have these generation ships where people live and grow up on the ship, Mm -hmm. you can have an entire generation just on their way to wherever this colony is going. Okay. You remember uh, WALL-E? Vaguely, yes. Okay, you remember how there was like, what, 15 captains? Something that like ship. that. That's similar kind of a thing. Okay. Um, the, there were actually two uh, Star Trek episodes that actually featured generation ships. One was an original series episode that has the longest name in the history of television. Hmm. For the world is hollow and I have touched the sky. Hmm. And that one, they didn't know they were on a generation. They didn't know they were on a ship. Huh. They thought they were on the planet. Hmm. And then uh, there was a USS Voyager episode called Shattered, and where uh, Voyager became a generation ship before time reversed. Hmm. And then, oh yeah, there was also a uh, Enterprise episode called E Squared, where essentially the same thing happened with Enterprise. Oh, okay, cool. The uh, terraforming emulsion, which is, in my opinion, where the name Moist Vessel came from. Hmm. Uh, is very similar to the Genesis device that uh, that's what I thought we saw at the end. Uh, we saw blow up the uh, U.S. Reliant. Yeah, th- yes, thank you. The USS Reliant at the end of Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan, and is the planet where Spock's body soft landed in mm-hmm. Star Trek III: The Search for Spock. You just can't keep a good Vulcan down. No, you can't. Uh, the captain of the uh, the other ship. Mm-hmm. was a Tellarite, one of the three founding races of the Federation. Really? Mm-hmm. Mm. The others being, of course, humans of Earth and the Andorians, which are the blue people with the uh, antennas. Oh, okay. The white hair. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the uh, thing about beings of pure energy is a reference to, well, like he says in there, the Traveler, or Q. Q, the, the Q are a race of beings that have, quote-unquote, evolved past the need for physical bodies, okay. or at least 
reality as we understand it. Yeah. The most famous Q being Q, Q from Star Trek The Next Generation that was played by John DeLancey. He would go on to have a single role in uh, Deep Space Nine where Cisco punched him in the face. Good to know. And then uh, he showed up on Voyager where on one episode he put another Q on trial for having the uh, audacity to want to become a regular person because mm. he wanted to die. Oh. And the Q can't die. Mm. And then um, he decided that the Q needed to, had Q's evolution stagnated and uh, went and hit on Captain Janeway to see if they could make some uh, little half-human, half-Q babies. That ended up not happening, and he and another member of the Q that happened to look like female uh, ended up reproducing. Doing... Yeah, except they did it by just touching fingers. Oh, okay. And then uh, Janeway became the godmother of their child, which the first time we see him, uh, he's already a teenager Scary. in like less than a year. That's because just, yeah. Apparently, it doesn't take long for a physical body of a... Or say physical body, you know what I mean. Yeah. Anyway, and then, of course, the Traveler is the uh, weirdo from Next Generation who decided to take Wesley Crusher for a ride since Wesley Crusher had apparently the uh, ability to um, evolve or transcend because he was a genius, Mm. which was stupid. Okay. Let's just say that. Because let's face it, who likes Wesley? Plus, at some point, Wesley must have left because in Nemesis, we actually see him sitting with his mother wearing a uh, Ensign's uniform. Huh. So, we don't know what happened there. Hmm. Or it, it was just a cameo they wanted to throw in there. That's what it probably was, but it still brings up a lot of, uh, let's say, continuity issues. Me. Uh, we see... Uh, Mariner have to remove holodeck waste. This is the first time we've even been aware uh, there is such a thing as holodeck That explanation waste. just bleh. <laughs> but uh, pretty much this has been implied in some episodes of Star Trek, but mm-hmm. very uh, much more vaguer than they made here. <laughs> mm. uh, debating the Prime Directive seems to be something a lot of Starfleet captains end up having to do, which is why she's joking about that mm-hmm. uh the conference room chairs the beige chair with a stripe of leather right down the middle is a, probably a reference to uh the chair picard had in his quarters in next generation and uh the one with the two leather straps going down the sides that's a reference to voyager's chairs okay then where does stools come from because stools are cool yeah but they're uncomfortable they well, hurt your back. If you look at the picture that they were showing on there, yeah. the quote-unquote bar stools had a back on them. Oh. And they looked not exactly like, but they looked similar to original series' chairs. Oh, okay. Not exactly, but somewhat like it. Close. Uh, the idea that everyone folds during poker hmm. is a reference to all the poker games they had at Next Generation where uh, it seemed like everybody folded. Mm. Regularly. Very few people actually won any of those games on huh. screen. Uh, one of the funny ones actually involves Wesley Crusher, where... Uh, well, anyway, go watch The Best of Both Worlds. It's a great episode. Mm. Uh, they met, At one point, when uh, Boimler is doing that uh, 
he's gonna say, so they like people when they misbehave. Mm-hmm. Sure, I'll go to the bridge. <laughs> uh, and he says, oh, nothing. That was in the holodeck. That was uh, Moriarty. That's of course a reference There's to some... the amazing amount of times mm-hmm. during Data's. Well, okay, I need to explain this. Data in the original series at one point where they were on the holodeck and data solved the mystery because he's read every single one of Holmes novels. Of course, because he's data. He has that in a database somewhere. Mm-hmm. So he pointed it out in like the first five seconds of the, of the, them being in the point of who the killer was in the first five seconds of the, uh, time, their time in the holodeck. So Jordy asked the computer to make a villain capable of defeating data. So, of course, since they're playing, doing a Sherlock Holmes thing, they get Moriarty and have him become aware he's a hologram. Huh. And uh, later on, have him... And he'll figure out the ability to actually control the Enterprise from the holodeck. Hmm. Well, that's never... never and in good. a later episode, when they, for some reason, bring him back, uh, he makes it act like he is a... He can actually leave the holodeck, which holograms can't do. But what really is, is he was trapping... He was uh, trapping everyone on the holodeck, and they didn't know it because he had replicated the inter- Entire. outside of the uh, the interior decks of the Enterprise exactly, so no one knew they had left the holodeck. That is a very... It's a trippy episode. Mm. Uh, of course, we've got the hit it command, uh, command that uh, Captain Freeman gives, which mm-hmm. is referenced to Pike in uh, Discovery. Yeah. Uh this is the first time they've mentioned on screen that Captain Freeman's first name is Carol. Mm-hmm. And uh, O'Connell, as I mentioned earlier, played by uh, Sora, uh, he kind of has a... Re- he kinda, his transformation kind of is reminiscent of uh, Decker's transformation in uh, Star Trek The Motion Picture, where he bonds with V'ger. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Also, when they're cleaning up uh, everything there at the end of the episode, mm-hmm. all, all the people with those weird little vacuum cleaner things are wearing the same type of visor Spock wore in the original series episode, uh, In Truth Is There No Beauty. Hmm. Okay. And the uh, Starfleet medals that we see in here are somewhat based on medals we saw in Discovery. Uh, I just realized I did not read the uh, synopsis for this episode, Uh in this episode, Captain Freeman seeks the ultimate payback after Mariner blatantly disrespects her in front of the crew. So, yeah. So, since I've been talking a whole lot, <laughs> Jacob, your thoughts on this episode? Well, this was a, a very interesting episode with the fact you have uh, Freeman and Mariner. They happen to work together or the fact that... Uh, I want to say Decker, but it's not right. Captain... Freeman? Freeman, thank you. Captain Freeman be like is so desperate to get rid of Mariner, be like even though be like they are mother and daughter. Mm-hmm. It's that it's that be like I'm gonna I'm gonna give her the worst job ever, and she ends up enjoying the the, the worst jobs on the ship because she's she's she likes working those jobs. She likes being a part of the crew more than being in command. Yeah. So she finds ways to enjoy herself. Yeah. And then it'd be like. Oh, I'm definitely gonna make her resign or get yeah. her to transfer. I'm gonna make her. What did they make her? A lieutenant. They make her a lieutenant in ops. In ops. <laughs> She's been in essentially engineering this whole time. Uh huh. But now they're gonna put her in ops. 
and then she has, she has to do everything. No, sorry, she's been in the command thing, but they put her in ops, which yeah. is not exactly the most exciting part part of the ship. Right. Unless you're on security. Right. She's not. No. That would be interesting to see Mariner on security. <laughs> hey, if Rutherford can handle it. Yeah, that's true. She I mean, like she's very tactical. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so and she does know Kirk Fu. Yeah, she does know Kirk Fu. Uh, then you have uh, Sora and what's your fa- what's your name? <laughs> I'm going to call him Sora. <laughs> You're talking about O'Connell. O'Connell and Tindy. Okay, thank Tindy you. is the Orion's name. Okay, like that that entire like the entire ordeal of them be like he's trying to ascend in air quotes yeah. ascend and uh, and her obsession with like. If, if, the but like everyone has to like like her, and I think it was like for for like our audiences we we all have the tendency to be like we want people to like us yeah and uh, sometimes we go a little overboard and ten, Tindy Tindy yeah Tindy is the over exemplified of that yeah and it's just it's funny to see that but at the same time you see I'm gonna call him Sora. Uh, because you said it, then I'm going to Sora. Um, well, that's how I think of the character at this point, except I've never heard Sora in the Kingdom Hearts drop the S-bomb. No. <laughs> but anyways, it's the the, the fact be like he was he was trying to ascend. That was his gig. That was his thing. And uh, he said, be like, oh, I've been faking it for the last couple of years just to keep, you know, keep this hype train rolling. And uh, and when he finally ascends, and it's like, wait a minute, be like you entreat, entreat and you um, were able to ascend to an enlightenment by faking it. That, uh, hey, I okay, that's, that is the thing about that scene is it comes this right smack out of nowhere. It does because I'm watching it and going, that should not have made him no. ascend. I actually have a theory as to what that is, but we're not to my theories yet. So okay. Unless you want me to go ahead and drop no, it. No, dro- drop your theory. Drop it? Okay. I think um, secretly there's been a Q watching O'Connell. Hmm. And he's been laughing at how this is all going, and it kind of got boring there for a bit. Yeah. And then Tendi got involved, and he's, of course, loving this, whatever mm-hmm. this Q is. I'm, ass- I'm assuming it's a random Q, not yeah. John DeLancey. Yeah. And uh, just as things are starting to get where he's now going to be boring because he's going to realize, hey, I don't need to be like that and all this stuff, he decides, well, we need to keep this train going. Yep. So he not only makes this guy stronger, probably making him a Q, much like uh, Riker got turned into a, a, had Q abilities way back in season one. He decides we're gonna make this process as painful and splashy as possible. Somebody having a little too much fun with Because it. that's the only reason I can think of as to why he would spout the universe is on the back of a koala. He smiles. <laughs> what does he know? And you see this visual. It's a koala. My question is, hey, are we seeing his point of view or is Tendy seeing this too? Yeah. I would think it'd probably be but both. Good night. Nice. It's like I Q would do that. Q would do that in a heartbeat just to screw with this guy. 
Oh. That's just my opinion. That's my theory on that. I have no proof. I, I, I'm hesitant to think that one of the issues I, I am noting with the show yeah. so far, I am hesitant to think that any of the continuity we're seeing is going to carry forward to future episodes because I have noted with a couple of these character growth we tend to see in an episode tends to not be reflected in the episodes that come after it. Okay. One big one, especially with this episode that I noted, was uh, uh, the first officer. Yeah. Who was real big in the last one. He and Mariner had some kind of a thing. Yeah. Kind of sort of going on. And when he, his first line in this episode is, I'm surprised you hadn't kicked her off the ship yet. And admittedly, that could be an innocent remark. Right. Because I, he could have nothing to do with his feelings for her. Right. He does seem to, uh, realize his mistake very quickly, but I think that's more the fact that he said that in front of the captain more than, and her mother, yeah, more than uh, afraid that she's going to get kicked off. It really kind of feels like this episode should have come before the last one. Yeah, I have no proof of any of this, right? Because none of the episodes have led into the next one with any seemingly amount of intention. I mean. In the first episode, it looked like Boimler and Mariner were going to get together. Well, yeah. that didn't appear to happen. No. We had uh, Rutherford and Tindy kind of uh, get together in the second episode. Mm-hmm. They were not together by the third, though admittedly, Rutherford has not had another relationship as far as we know. Mm-hmm. And he's about as dense as a, paper, as a, as a three-ton boulder anyway. And Tindy, I kind of get the feeling her... Well, she's an Orion's. Love is a wide thing let's just say oh, she can okay. love everybody i got you well that now that makes perfectly sense she wants it's everybody to like her from her culture I mean, if you there's a reason the general term for female orions is orion slave girls oh okay they make slave leia look uh modest in comparison Okay. Just saying. Just saying. And I, I thought the limit and, in my water was making me perk. And they wow. um, secrete a pheromone that make men go wild. Mm. I'm assuming in order to serve on a Federation starship, she's taking something to suppress that. Yeah, I would think so. <laughs> but uh, we don't really know because they've never gone into it. Only other thing I thought was strange is uh, a. Having vacation time is not a strange thing in on Star Trek. I mean, they've had shore leave before, right? And I can see maybe taking a couple days off to, to unwind, maybe go to the holodeck. Mm-hmm. And I can see someone like Tenda using her vacation time unwisely by trying to make this one guy like her. Mm-hmm. That's believable. The part that's not believable that they let her into main engineering at all. Much less while she's on vacation. That is true. Because the only reason she should have to go into main engineering is to do medical duties. Mm-hmm. Since she is a medical officer. Right. But she's off duty. She shouldn't be allowed anywhere near that. It's an authorized personnel only type of area. Mm-hmm. So why is she allowed in there to bug this guy while he's trying to work? For comedy relief? I'm aware of this. <laughs> I'm saying... But here's the... Th- Here's the, the the trouble I kind of get with some of these things. This show is supposed to be in continuity with the rest of Star Trek. Right. And yet they do things It's like they would never... I'm, I'm not sure they would go down this way every time. Hmm. 
I could be wrong, but, and I'm sure if I went back and watched a lot of episodes of Star Trek, in fact, I saw an Enterprise episode recently where they had visiting aliens down in engineering. Yeah. Near the warp core. So, I mean, but those are under surveillance. This is just a random green woman who's down where she shouldn't be. So I'm kind of surprised they let her down there. Maybe it's a small enough ship. Everybody knows everybody. They assume as long as you don't get in the way, what trouble are you going to cause? Mm. But at the same time, it, I would think it'd be off limits to uh, any non-engineering on-duty personnel. Okay. It's my thought. People who yeah. are assigned to main engineering during mm-hmm. that time period or are reporting to them or, you know, the captain because the captain can go anywhere on a ship. Right. It's just a weird thing I've noticed that I kind of wish was handled differently. Okay. And like I said, there's some weird continuity stuff going on. I'm kind of hoping, much like in that movie we were referencing earlier, the phrase that will all make sense when we get to the end. Yes. Is going to come true here. Yeah, hopefully. Um, I think another point I want to bring up is when the uh, when they're transporting the uh, the ship. Yeah. Okay. What is it called again? Uh, generation, generation, generation ship, ship, generation ship from one of this mummified alien race that they found out floating yeah. in space. That's not, not that's not a unusual for Star Trek. To okay, weird derelict ships floating through space. So when when the At least uh, this one's on a planet killer. So when you get the uh, what I'm gonna call the uh, the orange goo, like yes. gets it affects the affects the first ship and then it goes for the our ship our our, yeah. her, our character's main ship. And uh, just the, I was like, you'd be like, you're going through like all because it's it's a ter- it's a terraforming type of uh, chemical, yeah. right? It causes uh, whatever this chemical is. That's not been explained what it is, and we'll never find out. Probably, but somehow this magical terraforming juice has the ability, much like um, the uh, Genesis device, to cause inorganic matter to become organic matter, even though. Rocks are not organic matter, but that's beside the point. Right. But it's a. I'm assuming there's some nano gel or something in there, some technology right. that they don't recognize that actually causes this when it touches something that's, you know, not hum, bio, biological. Gotcha. Though, who's to say it doesn't do something to biological beings too that we just don't know? Gotcha. Maybe that's why he turned. He ascended. That. Good point. Good point. If it causes an evolutionary thing. Yeah. But it's, that's like I said, this is all fan theory. They don't explain anything. Right. Yeah, so when the Cerritos, mm-hmm. when the Cerritos gets infected by this, you know, inor- like organic goo. Whatever it is. Whatever it's called. Be like, it's the fact to be like, you get all like, like, you know, plant matter, rock matter, mm-hmm. water, what have you. I'm like, Okay, let's be like, okay, just beam yourself out of there because how in the world are you going to save this thing? But then you have the captain and um, yeah. um, Mariner. Mariner, thank you. And uh, they Mariner comes up and be like, oh, this is what I need to do. Because b- for that point, they're arguing the entire time. What I can tell, what I, what I understood is in that opening, what's in the cold open section, mm-hmm. they're going, she's going over her mission brief that Mariner is yawning during the middle of. Yeah. Uh, apparently when they went to the ship and looked at it and all the stuff, they were at least able to get a decent scan on it to get a general idea of what the compound physically is. That's yeah. why they were able to come up with a 
magical antidote that happens to not only get rid of all of the stuff it created, mm-hmm. but apparently repair all the holes in the ship. Yeah. It just annoys me. That That is a little annoying because... Like but any, apparently you can't do that on the other ship. Yeah. It's like, oh, let's just fix it. Be like, oh, it's been too infected. Be like, your ship was almost entirely the exact Yours, same affected. Yeah, except for looked, a, a, like a minute or so. One of those so. shots that looked exactly the same. Yeah, except like your, the, the back half of your hole looked like it was like a blown up uh, rainbow. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, either way, that 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 is kind of annoying because we really don't know what this substance is. I mean, like, yeah, it's obviously for uh, terraforming. Yeah. But... And it's it, obviously something that this alien race created, but apparently they couldn't use a planet near where they came from in order to do this on. Yeah. So... I don't know. Alright. So, in summary, I enjoyed the... I enjoyed the, enjoyed the show. And it was... It was entertaining. Mm-hmm. We got to know a little more about um, Captain, the Captain and Marina. You know their their relationship, and um, Bormler being Bormler. Yeah. Um, this wasn't his episode, so he got reduced no. to his his uh, cardboard cutout status of I need to be the best, and I can't be, so I'm gonna try and be the worst and see if that helps. Yeah, yeah, that didn't really. Like yeah, worst timing ever, Boimler. Yeah, but I enjoyed the episode. It was it was a lot of fun. Uh, I was looking forward to it from the last preview, and I enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. Uh, the set this the episode five is looking interesting. Yes, I don't know what it is. They have not announced what the remaining episode names are for the show okay. as of this recording. I gotcha. So, whatever episode five is going to be, we will just have to wait and see. Though the trailer looked interesting. Yeah, it did. Uh, now, when we were watching this a couple seconds ago, I started giggling incessantly during the opening sequence because I realized <laughs> something I hadn't noticed before. What was that? So, there's that shot where the Cerritos comes up on a bunch of Romulans fighting Borg cubes. Right. And then, of course, the Cerritos flies away because they're a bunch of little cowards. Right. This episode, this show takes place, A, one year after Nemesis. Mm-hmm. Three years before, or three, four years, sorry, four years before the massacre of First Contact Day on Mars. Mm-hmm. Another little event that happens around that time period is that a Romulan ship gets captured by the Borg, starts to be assimilated, and something causes that entire Borg cube to shut down. Hmm. And is not ex- and it does. It, the show eventually explains what happened. But yeah, it's a mystery for that entire show, and I don't want to spoil any of that okay. show. So go watch Picard. Definitely go watch Picard. It's a good show. Anyway, this one we're seeing Romulan warbirds fighting a bunch of Borg cubes. Is this kind of talk showing us what the for uh, a, a kind of a foreshadowing to Picard that mm. perhaps it's the Cerritos's fault that the Borg cube got captured or got uh, got 
was able to start assimilating a Romulan ship? Maybe. I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me if the Cerritos was the problem there. Yeah. Because this is the ship of weirdos. That is true. And I thought the Enterprise was weird. Oh, it gets much weirder. (laughs) Why does he smile? What does he know? (laughs) Anyway, uh, that brings us to the end of this episode. Uh, join us next week for episode five. I don't know what the name of it is yet because they've not announced it, but anyway, live long and prosper, guys. Thanks. Come, Jacob. We must prepare for next week. Prepare for what, Drew? Same thing we do every week, Jacob. Record a podcast! Oh, boy! So where can they find you, Jacob? They can find me on Facebook at Jacob B. Heron and Jacob's Daily Art Corner, my personal art Facebook page. On Twitter at Jacob B. Heron, on Instagram at Jacob B. Heron, and on Letterboxd at Jacob Heron. Where can they find you, Drew? Uh, you can find me on Facebook at Drew Dodgen. You can also find my Facebook page at Drew's Photo Bin, where I upload uh, my photography. You can also follow me on Letterboxd at GGeorge759 and Twitter at GGeorge759. Where can they find us, Jacob? You can also visit our website, the Cellcast. Podbean.com, where you will find every episode we released and links to listen to it on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. Our RSS feed, if we aren't in your favorite podcast app directory, please share, review, and subscribe to us there and share us with your friends. You will also find a link to our Facebook group, the Double Feature Podcast Community where we talk about both animated and live-action movies. We share this with our other podcasts, which we do with Jacob's brother Jim, at uh, the Movie of the Week podcast, where we talk about live-action movies. You can also email us at thecellcastpodcast at gmail.com. Also, please like our page on Facebook. We try to post about upcoming movies. If you comment on that movie's post before we record, we'll read your comments in the episode. And remember, every time we say the cell cast, that is with a single L. L.